So we are continuing our series. Uh, if you were with us last week, we started a series where we're looking at this metaphor in Scripture of the garden. And this picture of the garden, if you were here with us last week, is completely different than the picture that we had last week, right, when we're looking at the Garden of Eden. Um, in, in Genesis, what I wanted you last week to really realize was in Genesis chapter 1, we get this picture of, uh, of God creating the earth and God looking at his creation. And then I wanted you to kind of rest in that passage at the end of Genesis 1, Genesis 1.31, where it says that God looked at creation and says it is supremely good. It is supremely awesome. It is, it is a wonder. It is magnificent. And I wanted you to leave here. The challenge was for you to leave here last week and every day this week, five times a day to be praying, God, thank you. 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 I just wanted us to stop and rest in that. But we have to recognize that we don't, we don't, we don't stay there. Um, we would like to, uh, but the reality is we live in a world that while God initially created this supremely good place, we live in a world where there's great darkness, right? I mean, there's oppression, there's hatred, there's evil. If you go and look at Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, we get a second creation story, and it's there to show us a different perspective. It's there to show us new things. And one of the things that we see in Genesis 2 and 3 is that Adam and Eve messed it up, right? This great creation, they chose to live and choose their way over God's way. And just like I told you, Genesis 1 is not this science lesson that we're supposed to read. Genesis 2 and 3 is not simply written as a historical lesson. It is this archetypal story that represents us all. All of us sitting here today, we are all Adam and Eve. Because every single one of us has listens to the serpent's voice, right? The serpent has whispered in our ear, go and do this even though you know that you shouldn't be doing that. Or don't go over here and do this even though you know that you're supposed to do it. And we listen to, to that voice. We like to preach sermons... We like to listen to sermons about love and grace and mercy and how much God loves us. That's all really good. But the reality is what we're talking about this morning in this first part is, is sin. Let's call it for what it is. It's, it's going against God's will. Uh, we don't like the word sin. It creates certain baggage for some of us. But let's go back and think about just what the Greek word is. If you go back to the, to the Greek, it's the word hamartia. And it means that you miss the mark. You stray off of the path. It's an archery term. Now, a lot of us may not be very familiar with archery, but maybe some of us have played darts. And so I kind of think of it like darts. Uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, I told you all the story about Latham throwing the baseball down in our, our basement one time. We also had a dartboard that we played with. Latham's my, my son, and we had a dartboard that we would play. And when we got ready to move, we pulled that dartboard off the wall. Now, just imagine what you think we saw. What was it? Holes everywhere. All around the dartboard, it showed us those things that we didn't do. Those holes is hamartia. It's, it's sin. It's we had a mark, we strayed from the mark, and those holes represent the sin that exists when we choose God's way, I mean, our way over God's way. It's the reason that we have 
evil and oppression and materialism and greed. It's the reason that you gossip when you know you shouldn't be gossiping. It's the reason that we lie or that we have hatred towards someone. And so what happens, we recognize, is that paradise that we talked a little bit about last week is lost. And so we have to acknowledge that. And yet inside each of us is this longing to get back to Eden. We want to get back to a place where there is no evil and no darkness. I don't care if you're a believer or not. I believe that we're created, that we have a desire to get back to Eden where everything is good, where everything, where people are making right decisions. Uh, we long for that. I was thinking this week as I was writing the sermon, I, I remembered a commercial that kind of just plays it for me. And so if you're my age or older, you'll probably remember this commercial. Uh, if you're younger than, I said 40 at the early service, I'm not 40, but if you're younger than 40, uh, <laughs> You, you, you will probably think this is like a cult that I'm fixing to show you. But, but I want you all to watch this commercial. And as you watch it, I want you to think about this longing to get back to this Eden. Y'all check out this commercial. How many of y'all remember that? Yeah, you're old too. Um, so, but, but you can see in that there's this desire to get back to this place where everybody's in harmony and, and everything's getting along. And if it was just, if all we had to do was go buy everybody a Coke, everything would be okay. Um, we'd long for that. And when Jesus came to this earth to preach, Jesus preached about Eden about returning to Eden. Now, he didn't use those terms. He used the phrase kingdom of God. And in Matthew, it was the kingdom of heaven. It was the, the way that God intended earth to be, the way that God intended us to be able to live. And so when he began to preach, these were his words. Look at what it says in Matthew 4, verse 17. Jesus began to preach, repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, the word repent in Greek is the word metanoia, and it means a, a change of thinking, a change of heart, which ultimately leads to your change of behavior. And so in the New Common English Bible, when it was translated, this phrase in Matthew 4.17 is written a different way. I wanted you all to see that. Look at what it says in the Common English Bible. Change your heart and lives. This was Jesus' message. Change your heart and lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was calling his people, he was calling us to change your thinking, to change your ways of, of being, to change your heart, to change your behavior. He was calling us to, to set the world right. And so for Jesus, the kingdom of God, really the, the rule of God starts in your heart. It's not a geographical location. It's this ideal 
that exist. And so it was Eden, it was the way that the world was supposed to be, is what he's calling us back to. And so when we seek out to do God's will, when we uh, seek to love our neighbor, when we seek to follow God, we seek to do what God calls us to do, we get to experience a little bit of heaven on earth. It's what we pray for. Look at what it says in Matthew 6 as part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that the whole idea of the Garden of Eden? I mean, it was intended to be a place where God's will is on earth as it is in heaven. It's what he desires for us. Let me remind you how this prayer works, because if you go on and pray that prayer, you know that it says, give us this day our daily bread, right? Give us. When you pray that, if we stood up, if we, if we pray the Lord's Prayer together and we say, give us this day our daily bread, what are you praying for? Are you going to go home and walk into your kitchen and look for the meatloaf, mashed potatoes, and bread just to miraculously show up at your table? No, we're not going to do that, right? But we're still praying, give us this day our daily bread. We're praying in that prayer, God, thank you for giving me the ability to get up and go to work. We're praying, thank you, God, for, for the people who are, who are farmers that are, that are raising the, the, the food. Thank you, God, for this earth that creates something that we're able to eat. Thank you, God, for a car that I can drive to the grocery store and get my food. All of that is encompassed in this one little part of give us this day our daily bread. We also pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And what we're praying in that prayer is that we're praying for God to work inside of us to bring about God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer intended, as prayer often is, is to turn our thoughts toward the object of our prayers. We pray for God to lead us, to empower us, to to guide us. We pray for God to work through us so that we can help bring about God's kingdom here on earth. You know me if you've been around very long. I have a very big passion. It is, I, I, you, you can't convince me that in God's kingdom, kids should be hungry. Anywhere. I've got friends today here from Cartersville, and many of them go to Africa uh, a lot to be able to feed the kids down in the orphanages in Africa. They should not be hungry in Africa. They should not be hungry. We've got a team forming to go to the Dominican Republic, and there's a lot of hunger in the, in the Dominican Republic. They should not be hungry in the Dominican Republic. Kids should not be hungry. Our youth that went to Guatemala, that you should not see people in Guatemala that are hungry. But folks, that's happening in Henry County. And there should not be people in Henry County, kids that are going to school and that are hungry. That just should not happen in God's kingdom. And we are praying for God's kingdom to come onto this earth. What are we praying for? We're praying in that prayer, God, use me. Roll up my sleeves and let me get to work. And what that means is that we have a ministry, the Backpack Buddies, that we go and we take food to kids on the weekends that are, that, that are hungry. And so what that means when I make that, that prayer is that when I go to the grocery store, I should be looking for food to give to people who are hungry. It's hard for me to imagine that I can pray this prayer, thy kingdom come on, on earth as it is in heaven, and walk through the grocery store and not really worry about people who are hungry. Because what I'm praying is, God, use me. And so every time I go to the grocery store, I should be looking for peanut butter, and I should be bringing it in so that we're able to feed kids, because we can't just imagine that miraculously we're going to have backpacks show up with food. 
if we make that our prayer. So John tells us that Jesus prays to God in a garden. Look at what it says in John chapter 18. After he said these things, Jesus went out with his disciples and crossed over to the other side of the Kidron Valley. He and his disciples entered a garden there. John went on to say, Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because Jesus often gathered there with his disciples. So Jesus often went to this garden. Now, when John tells us something that's different than the other disciple or the other gospels, we're supposed to stop and listen to that. You see, Matthew and Mark tell us that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke tells us that, uh, that he prayed at the Mount of Olives. Luke, I mean, John changes that, and John tells us that it's in a garden. Why does John tell us that Jesus prayed in a garden? Why is it significant for John? John is wanting us to go back and think about the Garden of Eden. He's wanting us to recognize that in the Garden of Eden, Adam prayed not thy will, but my will be done. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays, not my will, but thy will be done. You're meant to see that Jesus reverses Adam. Paul even tells us, if you go look in Romans and 1 Corinthians, he calls Jesus the final Adam. Because Adam chose his way. Jesus chooses God's way. And we are meant to see this reversal. We're meant to see that we are to pray, not my will, but God's will. And it costs Jesus something. And for most of us, it is probably not going to cost us our life. But here's what I will tell you, is it will cost you something. It will require sacrifice. It will mean that You'll have to give up something. And what we typically will all respond, we'll, we'll respond like Moses does, where he says, you know, send somebody else. We'll say, look, this is, this is too hard. I'm not, I'm not qualified to do this. So make it somebody else's job, and I'll just stay here. We're going to want to do like Moses, but we have to make that part of our prayer. Not my will, but thy will be done. Last week, I, tend, I told you, challenged you five times. Five times a day, I want you praying, thank you, God. Pretty simple. Doesn't take a lot of your time. But now I want you to add to it. So what I want you to do is when you wake up in the morning before you ever get out of bed, thank you, God. Not my will. Thy will be done. You get ready to eat breakfast, thank you, God. Not my will. Thy will. Lunch, dinner, before you go to sleep at night, when you lay down in bed, thank you, God, for this day. Not my will. Your will be done. Five times a day, we begin to make that part of our prayer. And we stop and we go, well, how do we know what God's will is? That's the reason that we look at Jesus. Look at what his ideas are, his values, what he, what he said was important. The reason you can never convince me that in God's kingdom kids would be hungry is Jesus told us to go and feed the hungry. He told us to, to not let anything that would get in the way of, of bringing the kids to him. And so anything that we can do that, we, that would take away them stumbling... And we know that kids are better off going to school and, and being educated when we know that they have food in their bellies. You can't convince me of that. So we look at Jesus' values and his ideas and, and, and how he lived his life, and we follow that. We're called as his disciples to do that. We pay attention. 
But I'm telling you that following God's will will always cost you something. We have to be willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice our time, our energy, our money, the things that we think are going to make us happy and joyful. It may even come at a risk. I mentioned to you earlier, um, we're forming a team uh, to go to the Dominican Republic. Here's what happens every time we try to form a mission team. And this is true for the youth going to Guatemala, uh, the youth doing a domestic trip. It's true for our team that goes to, to, to Kenya. Every time we try to form a team, somebody's going to come up and say, you know, I have always felt led to go on a trip. And we'll say, okay, well, we're going the third week of January. I don't know the dates yet. I'm just saying we're going, this, we're going in January. Oh, I just don't know if I can take that week off. Uh, or, oh, I, 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 I'm not sure that I can come up with the money. Uh, we come up with excuses to not follow God's will. Folks, that's where the adventure, that's where you find the joy in life, when you begin to follow where God wants you to go. So if you feel led and prompted in any way to go to the Dominican Republic, I really am, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to have Debbie, who is forming. Debbie came in, wave at everybody, Debbie, everybody see Debbie. I'm going to have Debbie out in the lobby at the end of the service. Just give her, her, your, give her your name. Just say, I, I, I'm interested. don't know what it means, but I'm interested in going. Not my will, thy will be done. The challenge for us today is we've got to decide what prayer is going to define our life. Not thy will, but my will. Or not my will, thy will be done. This is where you find your joy in life. When you begin to live into God's vision for your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Most gracious God, we are so thankful for today. Thankful for your spirit in this place. And God, we know that so many of us, we are guilty of listening to the serpent. We're guilty of living into our own will. We're guilty of, of not following your direction for our life. And I, I can only speak for myself when I say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And I pray, Lord, that you help each and every person in this room today. Make their prayer, not our will, but your will be done. Help us to live into that in our individual lives, but also help us to live into that in your church. Help us to follow you. Help us to experience the joy that you desire for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.